Tantagra. It's a topic we want to talk about because we have to understand what the growth means. People sometimes make the mistake of thinking that growing is horizontal, not vertical. What do I mean by that? A person is doing a certain amount and so that growing needs to do more. A person looks for new things to take on, more humorous to add, and they think that's what growth is about. And really that's a mistake. Because the Torah gives us exactly what we need in order to become great. The Mitzvah Hashem gave us the life Hashem outlined for us have within them all the sorts of greatness. And it's not that people think that in, that's, in order to become great they have to look for new added restrictions. Make up extra halachas. Add more tefillas to the tefillas which are already in the city. Hashem's formula is perfect. And if that's the case so then how do we explain in what way does a person become great? And the answer is not to do more, but to do better. Which means to focus on making the mitzvahs we do, the tefillahs we do, something on a higher level. That's how we grow. And that's what we want to talk about, how to grow. So really, the next point we know is that growth needs a certain chart, a certain course, a certain ladder to climb. It's not just random that a person takes in various things and assumes that's how they're going to grow. So let's build a ladder of steps which we can follow one by one in order to get to a higher level, in order to become greater people. And the ladder I'm going to choose to talk about is really based on the davening when we ask on Shabbos and on Yom Tif, I request to Hashem which is ready to become more Ruchnistic but it's made up of five stages and the first we say Kadashayna v'mitzvay secha v'sayin chalkeinu secha make us more Kaddish with your mitzvahs Give us a chedek in the Torah. Sab'einu mitzvecha, satisfy us from your goodness. Samcheinu bishasecha. Make us happy with your salvation. Metayli b'einu l'avdecha b'enas. And purify our hearts to serve you with truth. Five different requests, but they form a progression. Let's explain. The first step, what a person is easy to begin with. What a person can do to elevate what they're doing already is take a mitzvah which we're doing. A mitzvah we do regularly. Except often mitzvahs that a person is doing, they're doing out of habit. They're doing without intention. Even if a person does think before they do a mitzvah, it's more likely that what they're thinking about is what they're going to gain from the mitzvah. Because 
very often there's a certain element to a mitzvah where a person thinks there's something which is good for me. Whether it's in the context of giving tzedakah because of entering a lottery or getting some reward or some bracha or some payback for my mitzvah or even like the Gemara says that I want Hashem to do things for me so if I do a mitzvah I'm hoping in response Hashem will give me what I want as well. And both of those attitudes are wrong. The one is doing mitzvahs without thinking at all. The other one is doing mitzvahs with expecting something physical back for it. About not, both not the proper way to do mitzvahs. And therefore the first step to work on is Kadshayna. That our mitzvahs should be something which make us more Kaddish. And how do we do that practically? Do a mitzvah and think, I'm doing this only that Hashem, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm doing this as an opportunity to fulfill your will in the world. To make you happy. I'm not taking anything else. That already has makshava. When I do a mitzvah, I have in mind, I'm only doing this Hashem so that you should be pleased. And you should get nachas from what I'm doing. That's already a level of Kedusha. That's already a level of doing something with a spiritual reason. Let's Let me share with you a well-known story. The Vilna gone. We know he lived. Vilna is in the far north of Europe. And one of the big problems that Eden had in Vilna and in most of Northern Europe, was how to get a kosher set of Ibermanium. Because the Ibermanium don't grow in those cold climates. And when there wasn't transport to bring a Estrog from Eretz Yisrael, the thousands of kilometers to Vilna, in a state where it would still be kosher to use, was very hard to do. And that's how we know in the Halacha, there were many years when there was maybe one set of Ibermanium for the whole city. And the Vilnagan very much wanted to have a Mahudda set of Ibermanium to make the Bracha on. And so long before Circus he sent out his Gavoyim, his Talmudim, to try and find, perhaps they could find for him, a Kasha Esrog. Somebody had come from Eretz and managed to bring with them an Esrog, which was still in good condition. And one year, the Talmudim went out, they sort of looked around Vilna. They couldn't find any visitors from Eretz Yisrael. It got nearer to Sukkot. They looked in the towns around Vilna too. And no success. And it was getting closer and closer to Sukkot. And there was no estrog for the Vilna God. The Vilna God is very worried about it. How is he going to bring in Sukkot without an estrog? So it comes Arab Sukkot. And the Gabayim think, we have no choice. You have to look again. Maybe we'll have said Dishmaya. And they start going around the streets asking, do you know any visitors who've come to town for Sukkot? Do you know anyone who's arrived new in Vilna? And they found out about one person who's just, who that night came into a small area just near, near Vilna. So they go after him and say, tell me something. Do you happen to have an Esra? And the man said, yes, I do. And he said, wonderful, that's just the person we're looking for. Do you know we've been looking for weeks, for months, to find somebody who has an Esra for the Vilna God? And the man said, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in giving my Esra to the Vilna God. 
I also need to do the mitzvah. I bought the Esra for myself. And no amount of pleading and begging could convince him to give his Esra to the Vulgan. So it's my mitzvah, I have a mitzvah as well. I'm keeping this Esra for me. So eventually one of the Gabayim says to him, he says, listen, tell me what would you like? If you could choose, what would you be willing to accept in order to give your Esra to the Vulgan? What would it be? So the man thinks about it and says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I, I know that Anya, I want to do the mitzvah Esra, but I know that the, the Vilnagon would do the mitzvah much better than I would. What I'm willing to do is I'm willing to give my Esra to the Vilnagon if the Vilnagon promises me that all the reward that he's going to get for taking Esra, he'll give back to me. So there wasn't time to go back to the Vilnagon and ask him and come back again before Sukkot to where this man was. So the said, okay, no problem, we'll agree. The Vilnagon will give you all the schar he's going to get for the mitzvah of Esra. And the man gave him the Esra. And just before Yandel comes in, the Gaboim returned to the Vilnagon. Abijad said, Rebbeinu, we have good news for you. We have an Esra. And the Vilnagon's delighted. Abijad. And they said, but Rebbeinu, you have to be honest, There's a, this, this Esra came with strings attached. What's that? Well, the person who gave us the Esrog insisted that he's going to get any schar in Shemaim that you're going to get for shaking Esrog tomorrow. We'd never chose, we agreed. How do you think the Vilnagon responded? The Vilnagon's response was, wonderful. He said, every time I do a mitzvah, I always have at the back of my mind a feeling that it's not completely Dishma. It's not completely doing it because Hashem wanted me to, because I know that it's reward for mitzvahs. But now I know, Mirosh, there's no reward I'm going to get for this mitzvah. The reward's already been given to somebody else. So when I take the mitzvah of Arab tomorrow, I can do it completely in Ishma. And I can say, Hashem, I'm only doing this mitzvah, so that should make you happy. I'm only doing this mitzvah to fulfill your request. Your wish. That's the fulfillment of this first rule. We have the mitzvahs. We want to be able to use the mitzvahs as a way to makadash ourselves. We want to be able to use the mitzvahs as a way to make ourselves more kaddish. And the way to do that is to focus on doing the mitzvahs with no ulterior motive. We're doing mitzvahs only that that should be what Hashem wants. It should be in keeping with Hashem's right. That's the first stage. And we follow that up with the second stage. Because it's true that we know that the actions we do here, what Hashem wanted us to do, but sometimes we don't understand the tremendous significance of what we do. It looks like a small action. And the Farshim explained to us, and Shachayim tells us, that that's because over here we don't see the results of what our actions are causing. We just see the action we do. But really, Hashem doesn't just make us do things for no reason. And if Hashem wants us to do something here, it's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that the effect of the action here in Shemaim is tremendous. And that's how the Nefesh Chaim explains that a small action a person, a Jew, does in this world can have tremendous effect in Shemaim. And I'll give you a marshal to explain the idea. Imagine you standing by the electric cabinet. And you see a lot of different switches. 
And you think, what's the big deal? Switch up, switch down. It's not such a big deal. Just fix it up and fix it down. It doesn't look like anything impressive happens. Because you have no idea what the switch is wanted to. But you don't know that by flicking the switch, you might be putting the lights off on the whole building and the whole street. You might be causing all kinds of machinery to go on and off. Because all you see is the switchboard. You don't realize what's been wired to each switch. And in a similar way, the Nefesh HaKhaim explains that with the effects HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to take place in Shemaim, he connected to our mitzvahs. Our action is the switch. And by doing a little action here, it's setting in process a tremendous thing in Shemaim. And if we would begin to appreciate what our mitzvahs are actually doing in Shemaim, then we would see so much more clearly how valuable every mitzvah is, how terrible every avari is, how we can be building or destroying tremendous things spiritually with one little action, with one little word. The Rebbe even goes a step further and he says, Yiras Shemaim is a fear of heaven, <coughs> means a fear of the ramifications in heaven of what we do. Do we know about that? Well, we could. We could. Because we have the Torah. And the Torah, specifically the Zayr, but other Swarim as well, tell us a little bit about the effects of our Mason. Tell us a little bit about what our Mason do. And if we learn that Torah, then we know that it's not just a small action, something which only applies in a physical sense. We know that it's a Mason which can change a tremendous amount. It can make the world into a much more Kodesh and Chas the opposite kinds of a place. And therefore the second aspect to growth is because by teaching us the Torah of each Maisa, the Torah behind what gets happened in Shemaim based on what we do, so then automatically every action is invested with so much more meaning, with so much more significance. Just to give a little example. One of the myths in the Torah we know about is not to mix meat and milk. Now, it looks like a simple action. It means if you're going to eat a piece of meat, don't put cheese in the same sandwich. But what's the depth of that myth? The Zohar explains that Hashem is two ways of running the world. Sometimes he uses the Mirza Din, sometimes the Mirza Rachamim. We want HaKadosh Baruch Hu to use the Mirza Rachamim in relation to Klai Yisrael, the Mirza Din in relation to our enemies. And the Zohar says that the milk is a reference for Rachamim. Meat is a reference for Din. We're allowed to eat meat, we're allowed to eat milk. Because they're both unhogged, Hashem runs the world. But mixing milk and meat is mixing din into the rachamim. That we're not allowed to do. And therefore, can we imagine the significance of something as small as putting the wrong spoon into the chicken soup? Yes. By doing that, you're altering in a cosmic level the mirrors I use Hashem uses in running the world. And therefore, the second point. The more we understand that term, the more we appreciate the value of what we're doing, 
and its spiritual significance. That's the second step in how to value, how to appreciate, so to speak, the medicine that we do. Let's go to the third stage. We spoke about the Chenevitz Vizacha. We spoke about the Chenevitz Vizacha. Let's explain the third stage with a bit of a hakdam. We know that in the spiritual composition of a person, there are a number of different stages. A number of different levels Hashem creates. There's a level which we call the person's nefesh. The nefesh is the level which interacts with the body. It's what feels physical things. It looks to get what the body needs physically. That's the life force, so to speak, which collects, connects to the physical body, makes a person need to eat and drink, makes him feel physical sensations or physical matters. Nefesh is a nefesh called chai, every living being, even an animal, has a nefesh. Then by a human being there's a higher part, which is called a ruach. The ruach is the human identity, personality. So a person related to other people feels the emotions which are non-physical emotions and feels the sense of self, the uniqueness, the individuality. And then there's a level above that, the neshama, Kali Yisrael, have a higher level called the neshama, which enables them to connect to Hashem, to connect to something spiritual, to connect to a reality which is above the physical, above the sense of so to speak, then as an individual, rather to something greater, which we call Ruchnis. And it's like a, a chain of different stages connected to each other. Hashem, then the Shama, the Ruach, the Nefesh, and then the person's body. Now when a person's alive, all these five levels are connected. And that's why within the person's body, that's how he feels himself, that's how you connect to his neshama as well, because all the levels are connected to each other. When a person dies, they separate. But now, out of these five links in the chain, Hashem, the neshama, the ruach, the nefesh, the body, if they're going to come apart, they're going to separate, so if I were to ask you, at what, which links can separate from each other? Which stages can come apart? You'll see a very fascinating thing. The first one is not the nefesh never leaves the body. Even when a person dies, the nefesh remains connected somehow next to where the body is. The Vilnagan explains that's why there's an union to daven by the cover of a tzaddik. Not because of the body. The body is lifeless but because the nefesh is next to the kever. The nefesh remains where the body is until the time of Tchiyas and that's how we can still relate to a part of the person by wherever he's buried because his nefesh is there. And the nefesh is that a part of the spiritual side of the person. That, that link doesn't break. The second step is that the neshama never leaves, is never detached from Hashem. The Rasham is something Ruchni and it's connected always to HaKadosh Baruch. So if the Nefesh is always connected to the body and the Rasham is always connected to Hashem, so then there are only two options left of what can break. 
And what can either separate is the link between the, nesh- the neshama and the ruh, or the link between the ruh and the body. And which of those two is going to be the one to break depends on the person. Because in a person's lifetime, he either worked on strengthening the link between his neshama and his, and his ruh, and that becomes a stronger bond. And if that's the case, then when the person dies, the ruh, which means the person's identity, goes with the neshama after Shemaim. Or, the other way around, a person who spent his life connecting to and identifying with his body and physical things, so he's made the connection between his ruh and his nefesh much stronger. And when a person dies, then the break is going to be between the neshama and the ruh. And the neshama will go back to Shemaim and the ruh, which means the person's sense of self remains here. And that's the third level we're going to talk about. Our avoider in becoming greater, in becoming more ruchni, is to strengthen our connection to our neshama over our connection to our body. That should be the stronger link. And how do we do that? So let me give you a martial I always use to explain this idea. Imagine you're here in Eretz Yisrael by yourself away from family. You're in this, here in the school. And I'm sure the food's very good, but still, you get a call one morning, Nambi don't recognize, and a person introduces themselves to you. And they say, hi, I'm actually your second cousin, you've never met me before, but I'm in Israel for a few days, and I'm here in a five-star Mahajan hotel, that's uh, such a thing. And, you know, I don't want to eat, I mean, it's a bit lonely, boring to eat by myself. I'd like to invite you to be my guest. Please come the, to the hotel restaurant, it'll be a five-star dinner, it's on me. Come and come, I'd love to meet you. How would you feel? Well, going to a five-star restaurant is above your budget and here you have somebody who is your cousin you've never met before and is willing to take you out and treat you, of course, you'll be looking forward to it the whole morning. Trying to imagine already what you're going to order. And I imagine that same day, lunchtime, you get another call. And lunchtime, you get a call, and this time it's your mother on the phone. And she says, hi, you should know, something came up, I came to Israel just for a day. And I'd love to see you while I'm here. Can you come around to where I'm staying tonight by a few friends? And we'll spend some time together. And uh, I, do, I, really, I really miss you. Now, assuming you have a good relationship with your mother, what would you do? Would you say, I'm sorry, ma, I already have a dinner invitation tonight. I can't meet you. Or would you call back the cousin and say, listen, I'm really sorry, but I just found out my mother's in town. And I'd love to meet you some other time, but I won't be able to make dinner. So once again, assuming you have a good relationship with your, with your mother, you're going to call back the cousin, so I'm really sorry, I'd love to meet you some other time, but tonight I can't do it. My mother came special. But now what I want to ask you, the important question is, now that you're spending time with your mother, are you going to be spending the whole time thinking, you know, I wish I was eating that steak, I wish I was in the restaurant, or no? Now that I'm here and I'm enjoying the time I'm spending with my mother, I don't even think about it anymore. Because it's not a question of duty, what I had to do. It's a question of doing what I enjoy more. And if a person enjoys a connection to another person more, so then I don't feel I'm missing out on a physical thing because I'm enjoying something which is deeper than a physical thing. And that's the Matisse. And an emotional connection is a deeper connection than a physical pleasure. And therefore a person would rather do something with somebody that they enjoy doing it with then an activity they enjoy with somebody they don't know. This is, a, this is really a saying of Shlomo Melech. 
Shamarach says a person would rather have a meal of vegetables with a friend than a meal of fancy food with a stranger. It's the same you said. And based on that marshal, then we can understand how Ruchnius works. Because just like we can understand that an emotional connection is more enjoyable than doing something which a person enjoys physically, so if a person feels a connection to something which is even deeper than that, it's not just the level of the Ruach, it's coming from the Neshama. It's a level even beyond that, then for sure they're going to feel more connected to that and enjoy it more than something physical. You know, often in Yeshiva you have the serious Bachrim, the ones who think they have to work on their, to overcome their taiva to eat, the taiva for food. And so they decide, I want to eat chocolate, I want to eat ice cream, I want to eat yogurt, whatever else is going to be. And whenever I'm told about it, I don't know, what I learned from my Rebbeim would always say over is, tell me something, do you enjoy chocolate or ice cream? And yes, too much, that's what I want to stop eating it. So that's not the way to do it. Because that way, instead of just thinking about the chocolate when you're eating it, You'll we'll be thinking about the chocolate the whole day long when you're not eating it. The way to overcome a taiva for something is to enjoy something else more. Because when I enjoy something else more, so then it loses, then something which is less important loses its focus. When a person is learning and enjoying the learning and they focus on the learning, so now, yeah, chocolate's nice, but I'm not really interested in it right now. That's the way to overcome a taiva. The more a person's connected to ruchnius, and enjoys it, so the more Gashemus loses its value, loses its importance. And I want to share with you a story. In 1948, just when you know the, the War of Independence with the State of Israel was just beginning, the Ponovich Yeshiva already existed. But there was a certain Bach in the Yeshiva who kept saying he wants to leave the Yeshiva, he wants to go join the army, he wants to fight. And the Ponovich Yerav, the Rosh Yeshiva, didn't know what to do with him, so in the end he says, you know what, go ask the Chaznish. The Chaznish is the God of Ladar. So the Ponovich was going to Chaznish and he organized that at 3.30 the certain afternoon this Bach would come and the Chaznish would speak to him. Okay, the day comes, the Bach is on time, he knocks on the door, Chaznish has come inside, the Bach goes into the room trying to think how he's going to explain to the Chaznish, justify once to leave Yeshiva and go to join the army. And he sees the Chaznish sitting with the Gomorrah up in front of him. Two or three minutes, the Chaznish looks up, he sees the Bach and he says, Ah, oh. he says, Good thing you came, I'm putting that in your toast, just come and have a look. And he calls over the boy and he reads the toast, he explains it, and he says, But I have a question on this toast. And he asks the Bach the question. And the Chaznish says, Listen, I'm sure it's the kind of question that Mephoshim asks, but I don't have time to look it up. So you know what I want you to do? Go, go back to Yeshiva, look it up, see who talks about this question, and come back tomorrow, come back to me tomorrow and tell me the answers. And we'll discuss it then. Okay? Fine. The boy is very happy to be of service to God the door. He runs back to Yeshiva. He spends the rest of the day and night learning the Tosis, making sure he understands it properly. He's starting to look around and see who talks about it. And he finds it's a Marashah. And he finds it's a Yeshiva. And he writes it all down carefully. And the next afternoon he's back with Hazanesh. With the answers all clear and nicely written out. To... Wonderful. He can help the God the door. And he knocks on the door and once again the Chaznish is sitting and learning. And he comes and says, Rabbeinu, you asked me to find out about this question yesterday. Well, I did. I looked it up and I found it was a Marashah. I found it was a Marashah. And here I wrote all the answers for you. 
obviously the Chazanish did that too. So he smiled to himself and he said, thank you very much. Because now that I see you can do such a good job of researching uh, information for me, look at this Tosus. He chose another Tosus. And he also, there was a well-known question, which was asked by the Mephoshim, and Chazanish says to Mecha, this is the question, go look, and ask, go look who, finds, who talks about it and bring me the answers. And then, once again, the Bacha goes back to Yeshiv, he spends the rest of the day learning it up, looking it up, writing it out, bringing it to Chaznish, and this goes on for a few days. After about a week, the Bonavichirov, the Yeshiv himself, comes to Chaznish. He says, Ravena, I very much appreciate that you're learning Chavrusa with this Bacha every day. But maybe the Yeshiv, maybe the Ravena, didn't understand why he was coming to speak to you. He came to speak to you about, you were into to talk about why shouldn't we go to the army? And the Chazin says, I know, he doesn't want to go to the army anymore. What changed? So the Chazin says, very simple. He only wanted to go because he didn't feel happy with what he was doing. He didn't feel fulfilled, he didn't feel that he was enjoying the learning. And because of that, he was looking for something else to do. But now that he feels he's learning with the Chaznish, now that he feels he's helping the Chaznish learn, so now he's very happy with what he's doing. The army's going out of his head completely. And that's exactly the principle. When a person enjoys something more, then other things lose their value. And therefore the way to grow is if a person can get to that stage where Ruchnis becomes more of a priority, Ruchnis becomes more of a priority, then the Gashans become less important. I want to tell you about a bracha in the Torah that most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, aren't looking really forward to test fulfillment. And the bracha is, the Pasuk says, Vavaratas Hashem Elekecho, you're going to serve Hashem, Uberach Eslachem Chames Memecho. And Hashem is going to bless your food. What does it mean Hashem blesses your food? Sarashi says that a person will eat kimo, a tiny amount, and he's already satisfied. A mouthful. Imagine that. You sit down to a sort of Shabbos, you have a mouthful of challah, and you can't eat anymore, you're too full. Are we really looking forward to that bracha taking effect, or do we enjoy eating? When would that be a bracha? When a person has so much connected to Ruch Nisbol and Gashmir, that eating becomes a chore. Eating becomes a liability. And if I could get away with eating less, then that would be what a person would enjoy. That's the third step. We want to be satisfied. Hashem should give us enough to be satisfied. We don't need to enjoy. We don't need to be focused on the Gashmis. And when a person gets to that step, when there's that connection to Ruchnir, so that becomes the primary connection. And that's what's more important. Then another dynamic kicks in. What we call Samchainu Bishah Another dynamic kicks in, and that is the Siyat the Dashan Samcheinu Bishosecho is when Hashem does something for us and we can enjoy it. It's being done on our behalf. Just like when we talk in the Yom Shemunashra, we talk about, we say Hashem should vaharainu bivinyonoi, Hashem should show us when He's going to build the third base of Mikdash, the Samcheinu Bittikunoi. He should make us happy in how He's going to establish it. Because we know the third base of Mikdash is going to come in Hashemah. And we're going to be witness to how Hashem makes it happen. Samcheinu. We're going to say for us to to enjoy it. Same thing over here. When we get to the level that we've connected to Ruchnius, then there's an element of Siyat Nishmai. Then Hashem helps us. 
the Mitzvah Shalim writes us when he says when a person gets to the level of Kedusha. So then, Tchilas Avoid of a Sefer Matana. That's where this Siyat Adishmai, where Hashem helps the person. In the famous marshal which is brought in the Midrash, of a king who took a diamond and he put it at the top of a tower. And he, and he put a rope down the side of the tower. And he said, whoever's willing to climb the rope to the top of the tower can have the diamond. And all the passerby look up at the diamond, and they look how high the tower is, and look at the rope, and say, forget it, there's no way you're going to be able to climb so high. Except for one pikech, says the Midrash, one clever person. And he understands, if it was there, it wasn't meant to be impossible, it was meant to be a challenge. He says, I'm willing to try. And he holds onto the rope and he starts to climb. He starts to put himself up step by step, handful by handful. He climbs the floor, a second floor, a third floor. And then when he gets to the fourth floor, suddenly he sees the rope being pulled up from the top. And he finds himself at the top. And that's the Marshal Chazal gave for that Siyad Dishma. The person starts climbing, working, and he gets to a stage where Hashem pulls him up. And then a person grows exponentially, much more than he could have ever done on his own. Because he's now being pulled milamal, he now is the Siyat al-Dishmayim. That's the first step. Now, before we get to the fifth stage, I want to share another point. The same progression. We see in the Kedem of the Mishkan as well. When a person came to the Azara, he came to visit the Mishkan of the Beis HaMikdash. The first of the Kedem that he would meet would be the Mizbech. And the idea of the Mizbech was a place to bring Korbanus. And we know about the Korbanus, the pastor tells us it's Reach Nechoyach Hashem. The Hashem said, Shamariti Venasi Ritoni. It's a place where we can bring something to Hashem. And so Hashem, this is to show we want to do your will. This is here to bring in a chasrach. That's a mitzvah. We should do it for Hashem. And the second stage was us in the order of the daily avoider after they dealt with Mizbechto into the Minera. And the Minera we know is the representation of the light of the Teresh that would shed the light, the meaning, the depth, and the action we're doing. And then we come to the Shulchan. The Shulchan, as you know, was the source of Shefa, the source of plenty, the source of Parnasa, the source of Bracha. But listen to something amazing. The twelve loaves and the Shulchan, the Lechem upon him, were distributed to the Karnim every Shabbos. And the Karnim would share the Lechem upon him as the Shabbos said. But how much did each coin get? The Gemara tells us that each coin got kapul. Each coin got lechem upon him the size of a bean. A tiny amount. There were hundreds of koinim. Each one wanted to share the lechem upon him. Each one got the size of a bean. And they were satisfied. And that's exactly the point we mentioned before. Sabein no mitavecha. One doesn't have to eat a lot. Hashem gives us enough of the physical that we need that we can be able to do the avoid and we are able to continue to work. That doesn't become the priority. And the Shulchan represents the plenty. The Shulchan represents the bracha, the physical the excess which Hashem sends to the world. How much of that does a person need? The size of a bean. And he's satisfied, he can continue to do a session. And then we come to the Mizbech HaKlaris. 
And it's Bechak Tairus. We know the mind of Kataris, a chase is the way the Malachamovis, a chase is the way the Satan. There's a certain level of Siyatat Ishmael that it brings to the person who brings the Kataris. That's the next stage. The stage of Samchaina Vishwasecha. That there's an element of Siyatat Ishmael which comes as well. And lastly, we get to the Kodesh HaKadashi. Lastly, we get to the Aron HaKodesh. And it's a question why that's what's called one of the Kedah. Because the Kli is something we do, something we use. We use the Mizbeach, we use the Menorah, we use the Shulchan. But we don't use the Aron. Why is that a Kli? In what way is that something which we use in our service of Hashem? And the answer is, what the Aron represents is the Torah and the Aron and the two Kruvim. And the two Kruvim are the representation of HaKadosh Baruch and the Jewish people. And the Kruvim are standing, facing each other, their wings outstretched, as if we were holding hands. And what is that meant to teach us? That's meant to teach us there's a level above the Avoida. The Avoida we can do in the Kodesh, where all the other Kedim were. It's an ex- ex- existential. It's the fact that we're connected to Hashem. And that's why the concept of the Kodesh HaKadoshim is something akin to Olam Abba. It's where there isn't mitzvahs to do. It's the fact that we're in a level where we're able to appreciate the enjoyment of being with Hashem. And this is a higher level. You know, it's a starting point in a person's relationship with other people. So, a lot of the focus is what you do. How we spend time together, what we do together. And when a relationship gets better and closer, so the what we do is less important. It's the fact that we're doing it together. The depth of the relationship replaces, the, so to speak, the tools used to create it. And that's the idea of Adam Abu as well. It's the level of being with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's something which is a higher value. Adam Abu, where it's the same idea of Tzadikim Yeshim at Rishem, Rishem, Vinenim Beziv There's a level of connecting to the Shechina, of being one with Hashem. It doesn't need any other activity. That's entirely branded of the Chobamis. That's the ability that our to serve Hashem with our hearts, to serve Hashem with our feeling, with our connection. And that's a growth path. It starts with the Maisa we do dedicated to Hashem. We understand more deeply the influence we're having in the Ruchni world. That makes more of a connection to that world of Ruchni, which becomes the more important connection than the physical connection. And then when we get to that point, and we get to the Siyatah Dishmaya, which elevates us even more than we would have imagined, exponentially. Until it brings us to the stage where that becomes our place, that becomes our enjoyment, that becomes our reality. Entirely brain the love of the Chabahamis. Similarly in the Mishkan, it's built on the Mizbeach. We can bring a carbon. We can add the Menorah. We can enjoy what we need from the Shulchan. We can use the Kataris as a way to connect to Hashem and eventually come to the Aran HaKadosh. And that also becomes the final point, which uh, Mrs. Hashem tells us. What begins is the Avodah, and becomes, when you're more attached to that, so it becomes precious, a detachment from this world, it becomes Kedusha, where Hashem gives us the Siyat Dishmaya, and eventually it's It brings to that level of connection, that oneness with Hashem, which is the top of the level that a human being can achieve. That's really the main of Elam Abba.